0: Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions and more. All right, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom or robots, and this is episode seven already. Man, we've already blown through a month plus of this show. This is crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff. Time is flying. Time is flying. That other voice is N7 Legend or Sam. How's it going, Sam?
1: It's going pretty well. As I mentioned in the the pre-chat, I'm in the process of a move to the West Coast. So I am recording this from a different studio tonight. I am at my girlfriend's family's house. Uh, They have a bunch of lovely dogs. So if you hear any barking in the background... (laughs) It is not a varon. it is a dog so
0: (laughs) well well, good luck with that uh my dogs are are here of course as well and i I just moved back into the studio on the first floor as opposed to our extra bedroom and uh the dogs are gonna be much louder because they're behind me so if you hear dogs this might be the mass effect dog cast today um but hopefully we don't hear that because today we have the asari to talk about and why don't we just get right into it um the uh so the asari what are we? What are we doing with VSR? What are we going to be covering today, Sam?
1: Right. Well, uh, as I, I kind of already brought up just briefly in the pre chat, they are the most technologically advanced species in the Milky Way. They're culturally dominant. Um, there's a lot to unpack. So I think we're going to start the episode with just kind of like the, the distinguishing physical characteristics, you know, just yeah for the people who have not played mass effect. I think this will help form an image in their head.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, um, so how do we, where do we start?
1: Sure. Uh, so the three have a blue to purplish skin tone. Uh, they, have, they have purple blood, uh, which you see in se- several of the cinematics when there's Injured sorry. And they have variations of facial markings, which are kind of similar to freckles on human beings. Um, there is one notable exception to this rule about skin tones and complexions, and that's Shiala. Sh- you meet her in Mass Effect 1 on Pharos, and her skin has actually been made green because of a giant, intelligent plant life form called the thorian i'm not going to spoil too much because mass effect legendary edition is coming out very soon uh, in about 12 days 12 days less than two weeks yeah i know it's it's so soon and the thorian is part of the mass effect one uh storyline so you will encounter it pretty early i'm not going to ruin it but the thorian is uh quite the adversary and really cool, really unique to the Mass Effect universe. But Shiala is a notable exception there. So Mm -hmm. they're also bipedal humanoids. And of all of the different intelligent alien species in Mass Effect, uh, they are definitely the most human-like in appearance. Uh, However, they live to around 1,000 years old. So 10 times roughly the uh, life expectancy of human beings in the Mass Effect universe.
0: Can you imagine being 1,000 years old? That just like I, as I age, I I, I, I start to realize how it is harder for older people to, you know, stay up with whatever's going on with younger people because they, their social circles are not the same. They fall into a, you know, a cycle of life. That's a little bit different. They also have a, a long history of knowledge and all of these things that other younger people don't have. And so they kind of pull apart from, other groups in the world right but can you imagine being like a thousand years old and having to deal with people who live to a hundred
1: like look I'll, I'll put it this way um i'm about to be 27 and i already feel distant from the kids who are like just entering college now. oh yeah
0: oh yeah 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 by, by your late 20s you look at the kids that are like in their early 20s or even the ones who just recently graduated and you're just like you you should such babies <laughs> like you don't you don't know you don't know what it's like to be an adult
1: um it's it's hard um so i can only imagine what matriarch uh stage asaris those are the asari who are older than 700 years old how they feel about the asari who are maybe 40 or 50 years old which is crazy to say because 40 or 50 is middle age for a human being right yeah Uh, but that's like like a teenager for an asari
0: That's crazy. It's crazy, crazy to think about this. But uh, we see it in other genres too. You know, elves or dwarves having different lifespans than humans and their inability to understand each other and they look down on humans because the humans don't have that much history to you know learn over years and years and years and years. Um, But yeah, it is that is a considerable considerable amount of time. So, being that they live a thousand years, they were around during some of these historical events before human beings discovered the rest of the races.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. So all of the episodes that we've covered, the historical events uh, thus far uh, beforehand, the Asari were key players in that because the Asari were the first contemporary species in the Mass Effect universe of this cycle to discover the Citadel. In fact, they were the first to achieve space flight. We'll get into their technological advancement and their society a little bit later in the second half. Um, but I think I I was racking my brain as to how to like, you know, organize these notes before the episode. And I think for now, uh, we'll put that off to the second half and I think everyone Mm -hmm. will see why, because it's all going to come full circle in the end. Um, but as I mentioned, uh, they are bipedal humanoids. However, they're not like humans, even though they can wear human armor and even though they can use all the same weapons as, as humans they are monogendered
0: yeah this is very interesting because to humanize they all look feminine
1: right but they all appear feminine however that's not they don't even think of gender like humans do because they're monogendered so the differentiation isn't even there for asari
0: right so how do um, they how do they process this how does this work in their society
1: So to human beings, they appear similar to human females, Mm -hmm. but, and even in the codex refers to them as an all female race, but Liara herself says, and notice I'm, I'm prescribing a gender there when I say herself, but Liara says that she is not precisely a woman. Mm -hmm. They are, uh, so she says she's not precisely a woman and we'll get into the language of it in a little bit. Uh, but more or less they they use feminine pronouns with exceptions there are asari who prefer gender neutral pronouns there are asari who prefer some masculine pronouns but the whole concept of pronouns to the asari when using gendered pronouns is kind of just for the convenience of everyone else right that's not right for them
0: yeah it doesn't seem like something that would even be part of their original language because they didn't have need of it You know, it would be like, it'd be like, why don't you have a color? You know, why do not you don't have a word for the color, you know, spar blob? You know, it's like, well, spar blob isn't a color that we can see. So why would we have a, you know, what we wouldn't, it doesn't make sense that we would even name a color that, you know,
1: exactly. And given the Omni tools in like, so the Omni tools that the characters wear in the Mass Effect universe have translators built into them. And that's the writing device that uses that they use to explain how all the different races can communicate with each other mm-hmm. real time. Because they're just talking and then one person's omni device or omni tool device is translating, sending that info to the other person's omni tool device. That's translating real time and that person can hear it in their native language and then respond the same way. Well, I wonder how much of the pronoun thing with Asari, the Omni Tool is just taking care of it for them. So yeah, yeah, it's not a, even like a disconnect between the the two species who are talking,
0: right? Right? Yeah, but for for most intelligent species, they see them as being more female because of their body features and the shape of their bodies and and their faces, things like that.
1: Yeah, um, and that goes for thir- uh, that goes for Corians, Turians, uh, human beings, of course, Krogans. Um, Salarians as well. Um, so the Asari are the only monogendered race, as far as I know. They're the only monogendered race in Mass Effect. And watch, I've said that now. I'm gonna get corrected because the fan base always like in immediately knows there's always someone, you know, <laughs> right? Of <laughs> course. <laughs> um, well, actually, I mean, i see it, right. like. Yeah, it, yeah, like I'm going to see it and be like, oh, oh, my gosh, I knew that. Yeah. And then no one's going to be like, no,
0: you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Inevitably, whenever you have to do any of these shows, you're going to like forget something or something's just not going to be part of what you discussed in the moment or or whatever. And somebody's going to be like, actually, you could have brought this up or you got this part wrong because the complete answer is this. And it's like, OK, well, thank you. We weren't covering like, that yet. Yes, but OK, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, sorry, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. Um. So, um, so if if they're all monogendered, how does reproduction work? It's obviously not sexual right. reproduction.
1: Well, that's a good. That's that's the subject of much speculation within the Mass Effect universe. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about the fandom. That's something else
0: that is is a completely different topic
1: well actually according to the fandom (laughs) really i don't want to talk about that part on air but (laughs) what we will talk about (laughs) is within the mass effect universe they are considered very attractive by like every contemporary intelligent species and the asari can also mate with any gender from any species Mm -hmm. part of that is because the asari's reproduction is asexual that doesn't mean that they can procreate on their own. They can't, they need a partner. Um, and I think the game, the way that the gaming in describes it is that it's kind of this mind meld thing where procreation can involve physical intimacy and touch. However, it's not a necessity. Um, and it can occur. It can like basically occur with something as simple as an embrace from a loved one um (laughs) but the the physical touch really isn't like a requirement it's maybe like think of spock with you know like the yeah right right um (laughs)
0: what what, you're pregnant why i i didn't think i didn't know you were well i accidentally gave somebody a hug you know sometimes it happens (laughs)
1: <laughs> we were bonding we we're having a heart to heart and uh, i i guess we're now more than bffs i
0: guess we're but having a baby here, here we here's
1: go. the truly crazy part that i think kind of evolved from a writing necessity where what you just mentioned where according to the lore it's basically up to an asari whether or not she becomes pregnant um from the meld And here, I'll just read from the wiki to kind of clarify something about Asari procreation. When an Asari provides two copies of her own genes to her offspring, one of which is passed on unaltered, the second set of genes is altered in a unique process called melding, also known as the joining or the union. During melding, the eyes of the Asari, initiating the meld, dilate as she consciously attunes her nervous system to her partners, sending and receiving electrical impulses directly through the skin. However, physical contact is not strictly necessary. Um, so melding isn't always used for reproductive purposes, and sometimes it's you know just to send and receive info. Uh, which, by the way, that sounds a lot like the Protheans that we discussed last mm-hmm. you know, last week. Um, however, for anyone who's played Mass Effect, you can probably think of, regardless of whether or not you romanced Liara, Liara melds with Shepard on a number of occasions to try and decode the visions that Shepard receives from the Prothean beacon. Mm. But also, if you do romance Liara... The final mission, uh, before you make that final charge towards the uh, beam on Earth, Liara melds with Shepard. So now it's kind of up for interpretation. Was that meld romantic? Mm. And was it meant to procreate? Is this why Liara is part of the trailer for the next Mass Effect game? Yeah. any of the times that she melded with Shepard, maybe she, maybe for her, it was a procreating meld.
0: Right, right. it wasn't up to Shepard; it was a hundred percent up to her.
1: Right, and with Asari being a thousand year lifespans, I don't, we don't really know what the gestation period is like. Yeah, for yeah, Asari. Um, so it'd be really something if Bioware decided to say that. Okay, well no matter whether or not you romance Liara, Shepard has an offspring with Liara.
0: Right, right. And what if what if your character is Liar, Liara's child? Or another character in the game is Liara's child and you're somebody else. Right. But but that would that would give them a direct way of you being Shepherd's child, and a reason why Leora may want to go back to find the remains of Shepherd in order to show her child or You know like honor the dead you know because this Mm. this is the this is the person i melded with in order to create you so the the closest thing to here's your baby daddy you know like (laughs) like that maybe that's has something to do with it
1: it uh, and really there's a lot of speculation that can come from that just because you know regardless of the partner the offspring of the asari is always going to be asari because the there's no dna actually taken from the partner
0: mm-hmm. does the uh, does the structure of um, the person they're melding with it, it, like it, it seems like it adjusts that other component but does it do so in a way where it replicates similarities to that partner or is it like a is it is it almost like using the individual as a random key generator for what the other component of the dna is going to be in-
1: Kind of like they search for what's missing in the partner. I know that sounds a lot like opposites attract, and that can be a bit cliche. But mm-hmm. because Asari search their partners' memories and their entire genetic history for desirable traits to pass on to their offspring, and they, they're doing that during the melding. Um, diversifying is seen as an advancement of not just themselves and their family, but a cont- but a contribution to all of Asari society the mm-hmm. whole species so mm-hmm. it's kind of like a civic duty to uh mate outside of your race um right. and as right. i mentioned earlier that this all sounds very prothean like if, if you think about it um it, and there's a reason for that that we'll get into later but partnering with another asari then doesn't really add as much to the diverse uh, diversity to the gene pool and it also makes the offspring more likely to become this thing called an ardot yakshi. And by the way, this ardot yakshi—it it only happens with two asari who mate. It doesn't happen with uh, an, an asari and a krogan, or asari and a human. It only happens with two asari. So when two asari mate, there's a chance that the offspring is going to become um, a an asari called an ardot yakshi. And basically, to put this bluntly. This is an Asari who is a sexual predator who murders their partners as a result of overloading their neurons during mating.
0: This is messed up.
1: (laughs) This is really messed up.
0: (laughs) This is the, um, oh my God, this is, like in our world, there's, like somebody may be a sexual predator, but on some level that's always based on a decision they make, right? Even if they have some sort of inherent bias towards being attracted to something they still have that, like, I mean, ultimately it's their fault for following through with it. Right? Like there is right and there is wrong. It doesn't matter if you're tempted, uh, you know, a hundredfold to eat the cheeseburger at some point, you just shouldn't eat the cheeseburger, you know, like you just have to make that choice. Right. And, and you can apply that to sexual attraction. Like just because you're sexually attracted to a person or a type of person or a certain age person doesn't mean that you should follow through with that. Like we're human beings. We should have self-control um but in this case it's like they are destined to become this and that that opens up all sorts of questions
1: oh right and as i understand it it's not a surefire thing that when two asari mate that they're going to create an ardayashi however uh when an Yachi is created they don't know right away um in fact You only find out if you are an R.Yakshi, you only find out that you are one when you go to meld for the first time. And then that person's nervous system gets fried. And now all of a sudden you're a murderer. Right. And you can't Um, help it.
0: It's not something you can. You just have to become totally abstinent.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and just never that's melt that's right they have to become monastic so there's like a like a monastery uh, on i forget the name of the planet right now but there's a monastery built for the peaceful coexistence of r.yakshi Ar- um however there's a sociopathic element to Ardayachi as well um, many Ardayachi who discover this power become enthralled by it mm. and so mm-hmm. it, they they get like a little taste of the power of, of taking a life In that way. And they keep doing it over and over and over again. Um, And so that's why this monastery was created to try to A, reduce crime, and B, humanely deal with this genetic deficiency. Um, Right. But because of this, because of the terrible, terrible side effects that can come from an Asari mating with another Asari, there is a huge, huge, huge stigma to when an Asari falls in love with another Asari and right. wants to be with that other Asari.
0: Because what if? What and if, if, so offspring,
1: what if, even yeah. if, exactly, what, well, it's, what if? It's and like, um, so it's like in our
0: own culture, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, incest, you know, like being attracted to a family member or, you know, th- there was a time in many cultures where marrying a cousin was fine. It was okay. But in our culture today, there's a big stigma about that. And there are genetic reasons. I mean, there are social reasons why that's not a good idea, but there are also genetic reasons why that's not a good idea. So this is kind of that extrapolated and and increased to this level of like, not only could your children have problems, but they also might accidentally murder people. Because of their biology, (laughs) you know, like
1: and and like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and And the people that you're murdering are the kinds of people who could live a thousand years, not just you know 70 or 100 years so their lives in some ways I, I would assume that they don't reproduce as often being that they are such a long-lived species
1: yeah so they don't and they don't uh give birth to like uh you know like clutches of eggs either they're, right they're, as right. far as i know like it's puppies, like similar like. to a mammalian yeah, but yeah yeah um but yeah so there's a huge stigma for anyone who is the product of two asari partners um and even if that person isn't an Arda ayachi there's still a huge stigma where calling someone a pure blood in a Sari society is the greatest insult you could ever call them um because it's basically accusing their parents of not contributing anything to society
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and in some ways uh going against general uh common sense <laughs>
1: yeah um and and it's it's like a dereliction of duty almost uh for asari uh but um enough about asari procreation as fascinated as the fandom is with that (laughs) i wonder (laughs) why you know what you know if, if if you're a listener and you'd like to learn more you can be an intrepid soul and google it uh but i but i will warn you um, <laughs> that you will find exactly what you're looking for
0: congratulations um,
1: yeah congrats don't um, do it at work but <laughs> definitely don't don't do that you might find yourself unemployed um but anyway sorry, are about the same size as humans and they have the same number of digits, um, same basic musculoskeletal structure. Uh, and that also might explain why so many, uh, sorry, doctors cater their practices to human patients as well in the mass effect universe. Mm. Uh, so at this point you're probably thinking, okay, so they just sound like blue humans, right? They just sound like (laughs) blue blue humans,
0: blue monogender humans that look kind of like women. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what is there to differentiate them from the, uh, you know, hot green alien girl trope. You know what I mean? Uh, That was made so popular. And and what was that? Star Trek? It sounds like a Star Trek
0: thing. Like I I get a very specific picture of like a woman like swooning onto like Captain Kirk or somebody who's like holding a blaster or something. Like 1970s, 1960s imagery
1: there is one thing that differentiates them and that is uh hair no they don't have hair uh, They have tentacles <laughs> they've got tentacle hair <laughs> but it's not it's, so liara if she were uh, you know a real uh, person you know, what's, you know what's funny? the first time
0: air. i sorry the first time i read that line i heard <laughs> i read it hair he he puts he works on the show notes and he's got little bullet points and this one says hair question mark question mark nah tentacles I read that testicles the first time I read it. <laughs> I guess we know what I need to start searching. Um, anyway, go on.
1: <laughs> so you probably thought this episode was going to go really wild.
0: No, it, I mean, I, like he's like, do I ask for about a before? for a moment? I was like, wait, and then I I was like, oh no, tentacles. Okay, I was like, wait,
1: but yes. <laughs> so maybe that'll be a dlc in the future i don't know Um, oh man (laughs) i hope not um but so they're not really tentacles that's not the right name for them and liara actually resents it when joker calls them that but they are quote-unquote semi-flexible cartilage-based scalp crests that grow into shape and these structures are rigid they don't flop everywhere as some people <laughs> believe and oh but what if they did that Liar
0: has would be you're... great what if they could like <laughs> whip their tentacles to the side and it'd be like
1: <laughs> you know, they, well the textures in the game kind of make it look like they might be able to yeah but as i understand it they're actually more similar to like the carapace on top of turian's heads mm-hmm. yeah they and some because of because that... it
0: looks like the same texture as their skin which you would assume is semi-malleable right like skin is mm. they don't look hard
1: it, it, yeah uh, <laughs> however they, I think they were designed to have features that took some features and made them more human like from all of the race effect
0: mm. uh oh and seven's having some connection difficulties
1: and seven come back Post to Brea- oh, oh, no! now
0: you're catching up. All of a sudden, it went <laughs> and caught back up. Oh. You're back.
1: <laughs> okay, good. I'm here. All right. So, we will try to go into the mid-break as fast as possible. So, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, there are a lot of misperceptions floating around about the Asari, about their procreation, about, you know, their promiscuity, that kind of thing. But in the second half of the show, we're going to explain why by the time Mass Effect 1 begins, a sorry society has flourished to the point of being almost indomitable.
0: Indomitable. That's a great word. All right. Well, that's a wonderful word to uh, move to the middle of the show. So we'll be right back.
1: Message coming in. Patch it through. I am sovereign. And this station is mine. I like the sound of that.
0: So I remembered this time not to jump in too early. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm an intelligent machine. He's he can be taught. I can be taught. Um, Welcome everybody to the middle of the show. Thank you for tuning in. This show is uh, taking off like a rocket. Uh, I I was checking out the the charts today on uh, like the podcast charts. When you do a podcast, you can sign up to these services that will track your performance compared to other shows and those kinds of things you can see like what, you know, where do you compare to other video games and and things like that, that check this out. I shared this on Twitter and thanks to you guys, because this is, this is on you guys. We, this is not us. This is you guys because you've been listening to the show and sharing with your friends and these kinds of things right now on the video game podcast charts, we are 89th. The mass effect Lorecast is the 89th most popular video game podcast. That is intense. That is insane. Uh, to give you to give you some reference here, um, the uh, the Elder Scrolls lore cast, which I've been doing for over two years now, is currently 67th. The fallout lore cast is fifty eighth on the list of top podcasts. This one is 89th. That is. Amazing! So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the show, for coming back for each episode, for sharing it with your friends, for leaving ratings and reviews, which you guys have continued to do as well. Um, I can't say enough. And Seven, how do you feel about this?
1: Uh, I feel incredibly humbled. (laughs) I've mentioned it on Twitter that, you know, like we said at the beginning of this episode, this is episode seven. We've been doing this for like a little bit more than a month. And... I just, I love Mass Effect and, you know, that's why I wanted to start doing this. And so to see that people actually enjoy listening to it and, and want to come back and, and and listen to us talk about Mass Effect more, it's just kind of surreal to me. Um but maybe that's because i'm new to podcasting maybe i'm not sure but i'm just loving it i'm loving the ride i'm loving talking about it. i'm loving interacting with uh the community and i can't wait for legendary edition to come out
0: oh my god me too me too i, I haven't pre-ordered it yet i'm probably going to do that tonight because uh, and i'm you know while, while we've been talking i'm trying not to stop paying attention and look at like the pre order bonuses and figure out which place is the best place to order it all that stuff so i need to go do that tonight um and i will definitely be streaming that when that comes out i'm pretty sure i'm just going to play that on my pc um which i've been able to connect to my tv and my phone using apps that run through your internet it's insane have you tried this it is nuts i can play my pc games on my phone now which is crazy because they they look awesome And they're just on my phone. It's like having a switch and I got little controllers that connect to the sides. It's really, really cool. Anyway, I'll be digging into it, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everybody who has been tuning in for sharing the show with your friends. If you have friends who are getting back into mass effect, any, anybody, you know, who's into the game, please share it with them. Let them know that this is a podcast they can be listening to, to brush up on their lore before they jump back into the legendary edition. And we are, we're absolutely floored and flattered and humbled. You guys are amazing. So thank you so very much.
1: Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense?
0: You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. Oh, you know what? We forgot to do the, uh, the uh, show us your um, rider segment. We got to do that. We usually do that
1: during yes, the middle too. Do.
0: What am I doing? What am I doing? I was so I was so stammered over all the well, people listening to our show. Okay, let me get the image ready. Well, Go get ahead. Get ready
1: and- to get a little bit more stammered because I have a special announcement that I did put in the Discord channel before.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, and that is that Jennifer Hale and Mark Meer themselves are both aware of this show's existence because I took it upon myself to tweet at them during the show last week. And I said, hey, you know, you, you care to check out our show. And both of them liked the tweet. So I think I'm going to reach out to both of them and ask, hey, you know, it'd be cool if Commander <laughs> Shepard could record a five second little clip and say, you know, I'm Commander Shepard and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel.
0: Right. That would be and awesome. This is going
1: to be one of. one of three responses it's either going to be buzz off kid or like hell yeah or it's going to be like silence
0: (laughs) yeah it might be no response i'm sure they get lots of messages from everybody um but that would be amazing i'm commander shepherd and this is the best podcast on the citadel yeah that would be that would be great
1: that would make my year yeah that would would make my year. that would be amazing
0: so let's uh let's talk about our rider this week who is it i've got the image ready
1: Sure. So this rider comes to us from the Mothman's Ranger. Uh, This is Sarah Ryder. She is biotic-focused, but is really skilled in rifles, snipers, pistols, shotguns, and melee, according to the Mothman's Ranger. So I think that means that Sarah Ryder is a combat specialist as well. Uh, Her background is she's a Pathfinder, of course. Um, And the psych profile from Dr. Lexi Tapero, who, by the way, is an Asari, and she's an Asari doctor working on human beings. So I just kind of want to loop that into the episode. (laughs) But uh, Dr. Tapero says that Sarah Ryder exhibits heart and empathy in many situations. Also, the passion that she brings to to her role as Pathfinder does not go unnoticed by those who work alongside her. However, Dr. Tapero would say that all of this is completely in line with her tendency to act impulsively in many situations. So another horoscope-like psych profile from Dr. Tapero. I think she's got a good um, newspaper column going. Uh, (laughs) You know, one of those old advice columns that people could write into.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's
1: funny. Um, So here are some key decisions that Sarah Ryder made. She attempted peaceful contact with the Kett. She chose peaceful scientific exploration of the Helios Cluster. She made peaceful contact with the Angara. She saved the Krogans, but left the Solarian Pathfinder behind. She successfully defeated the Archon and took control of Meridian. The Hyperion landed safely and is being rebuilt as Port Meridian, and she romanced Vetranix. Nyx.
0: Uh-huh. Now, this is the one game I've, of the series I haven't dug into, so I don't really know what any of this stuff actually means. Um, but I've heard people talking about it, that it's... Uh, they've patched a lot of things. It's gotten better since release. Um, have you played it since the patches?
1: I have not. Uh, I need to, but... I have heard the same thing, that it's much better now. Um, that's become a trope, I think, in modern times, where games get released in like basically beta stage. Right, uh, right. But I will give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I'm busy with the original trilogy, so I think after I'm done playing Legendary Edition, I'll probably give it a shot while I'm trying to kill time until Mass Effect 4 comes out. But oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it would be fun to to dive into it. In fact, I think it would be fun uh, for me to gump, jump to Gump, to force Gump back into uh, the Legendary Edition, play through all three of them in series and then jump into this one and uh, bring with it all the knowledge and the experiences I have from the other games. And we could have some conversations about that, say six months from now or whenever. Um, that could be really, really cool.
1: Yeah, and that would certainly give us more content um, for our fourth wall breaking point of view. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, Andromeda has itself a lot of content to delve into, and I think a lot of it isn't fleshed out in the community just because, for right now, Andromeda is a standalone game. Um, yeah, but
0: yeah, and it was so it, it was so much it it was less so panned when it first came out. So it does it doesn't mean it's bad. It just you know, like like many of the other games I cover, <laughs> when they get first released, they you know, the public perception is like, ah, this thing's terrible. And then, of course, you know, the dev team keeps fixing it and working on things and then things end up better. So uh, it'll be worth digging to in the future. Well, let's get back to the Asari. Let's let's talk about them and uh, the Galactic Society. So so how do they fit in?
1: Sure. So I'm going to like rattle off some fast facts about the Asari and where they stand now. The Asari are from the home world. Their home world is named Thessia. And it's a world that's just so rich in element zero that most beings have biotic tendencies. And naturally, we all know at the point in Mass Effect 1 when we enter the story that it, when you talk about biotics, you have to talk about the Asari because they're kind of one and the same. The Asari are masters of biotics, almost all of them. Uh, long ago long long time ago their political environment evolved from what humanity can consider a mediterranean civilization-like series of republic cities and that athenian inspired heritage is still evident today throughout a lot of asari government Um, they are incredibly advanced compared to other species, as I mentioned earlier. And just to put things in perspective of how advanced the Asari are, their version of automobiles were invented 30,000 years ago. And there's not a single one that's still around.
0: That's well, if you think about how long they live, 30,000 years ago is 30 lifespans, which would be equivalent to what is that? Three, four times that is a generation. So a generation for humans well, yeah. is about 20 years, uh, in actuality and humans live to be about 70 now. So that would be 120 generations. Something like that.
1: Yeah. It would, it, I mean, it, I think we could probably visualize it by they're so advanced that if they were advancing at the same speed as humanity or as, if humanity was advancing at the same speed as the Asari, it would mean that the ancient Egyptians would have had cars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are some thoughts about these kinds of things. Like for example, had, um, had the Roman government knots, uh, imploded and fallen apart. Um, there are, there are aspects of say ancient Roman culture, for example, or ancient uh, Chinese culture that were moving forward in ways that were becoming very close to even things that are part of our modern world. Now, uh, obviously the technology was different, but, um, like the the dark ages being a real thing in europe for that set uh human beings back like a thousand years in development and that's why the um the renaissance was such a big thing is because culture really fell apart and we didn't it took us a, a thousand years to really to catch back up to where culture was during say the, the times of the romans um so in a society that doesn't have that kind of hiccup like imagine If we were a thousand years more advanced than we are now like if we didn't go through that like and then you would look back and we it wouldn't be that far away from something like this or at least we'd be closer to something like this but yeah that's that's a significant period of time for sure
1: well you know if we'd never had the dark ages we might have found the citadel by now, who knows? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. the doll is out there somewhere. Maybe <laughs> the truth is out there. <laughs> the truth is out there. Yeah, X Files.
0: Yeah, dude. I've been watching. Uh, I've been watching the Expanse. I mentioned this before. That show is awesome. It's freaking awesome. Talking about finding alien crap in the that, world. Oh man, very cool stuff. <laughs> we would. We wouldn't know. We would fall apart, dude. We wouldn't survive that. We would. We would have problems. <laughs>
1: oh yeah i mean you know i i've made a comment about it before and how i kind of obsessively read the news and I, I the formulation of like my opinion comes from that and like all the current of offense that are going on i'm just thinking we better not find aliens oh, God. <laughs> like we better not <laughs>
0: we're not right ready now. we're just not ready for it not even close yeah
1: uh, yeah uh, especially if god forbid we found an alien race like the turians
0: like we, we like <laughs> half of our population or at least in the us would be like fake news it's not real <laughs> be like that's, that's that's a digitally edited image and it's like that's, a, that's yeah. an alien species at the white house right now talking to us
1: that's somebody this, a uh, hoax created it's by the hoax. opposition party
0: right <laughs> right oh it's government those are yeah. government drones flying overhead no those are actual alien spaceships on their way to like talk with us <laughs> like no, yeah. not real yeah uh anyway I, i'm sorry we took us on this little side trip, but yeah that's a so- long period of time <laughs>
1: So speaking about current events, um, and how I mentioned earlier that the Asari were the first species of the cycle to achieve spaceflight and discover the mass relay system. Well, shortly thereafter, they found the Citadel and they formed the Council in 500 BCE. So mm-hmm. 500 BCE mm-hmm. is when they formed the Council. Right. At so this point, in in human terms, still-
0: in human terms, this was during, say, like the Iliad. This was Homer was trying to get home. from troy (laughs) during this time period roughly um yeah like jesus didn't exist yet uh most of human beings were living in small groups there were a few places that were like small cities
1: yeah abrahamic culture was totally in vogue (laughs) yeah yeah
0: right Right. Yeah. In, in, the yeah East, was, in the Middle East, in the Middle East. Yeah. yeah. You were you were either probably um, Babylonian, Sumerian, <laughs> Egyptian, uh, <laughs> Hebrew, like Israelite. Yeah. Um, most
1: like, of your conversations probably have revolved around the Nile if you lived in northern Egypt.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And trading goats like that was most of your day was like wheat and goat farming, like for most humans across the entire globe anybody who was around whether it was in like old-timey you know southern uh or more middle like uh america you were part of a tribe who was probably doing those same kind of things or if you were if you were in asia you were probably i mean the the chinese culture was already a few thousand years old but most people were probably just farming pigs and you know rice (laughs) like that's this is where we were at 500 bc
1: So it sounds like we're riffing, but I do want to drive home the point, you know, that this is how advanced the Asari were compared to not just humanity, but every other intelligent contemporary race uh, of the cycle. And that's important because it has allowed the Asari to have the galaxy's largest economy. They have a monopoly on, on biotic tech trade. And because of their long lifespan, they're more inclined for a wait and see attitude than other species like they have a long-term investment mindset or as uh current internet culture calls it they don't have paper hands (laughs) okay (laughs) sorry have diamond hands and they don't care if they have short-term losses they're in it for the long haul and if it takes centuries or millennia to see to see roi they're in it
0: are they investing in dogecoin or no
1: I uh, you think they're
0: Bitcoin investors, but they're going no, no not no, none of that Doge stuff.
1: I think they're they're Bitcoin investors, but I think that they're also altcoin investors. So I think that uh, they're 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 all over the market. I think that they're playing both sides of it, and they're and, they're
0: hodling uh, everything.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> they are they're waiting for a moonshot in some of the altcoins. <laughs> Maybe they're SafeMoon fans. I'm not sure, but I'd like to think that they're Dogecoin fans. All up in Ethereum, no selfish mercy plug. Says. Yeah, that's a selfish plug for sure. Yeah. Um, but because um, they had that long, long lifespan, they're, they're just they're much more of a patient and studious race. Even when it comes to other types of, you know, like uh, military conflicts, even. Uh, and that's that might explain why the Asari counselor is so hesitant to actually do anything that helps Shepard and the mm. Alliance and mm. the Spectres, because they, they they don't feel a rush, really, for anything um, at all.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> Shepard's life to them is a flash in the pan. Like, uh, yeah. an equivalent would be the, uh, the lifespan of a dog to a human. Yeah. Yep,
1: that's a perfect equivalent. Yeah. Um
0: like, well, uh, it's a dog, but it's gonna, you know, it'll be here for a while, maybe a decade, but then it'll be gone. And I've got a man, lot of my life to less, you know, keep living.
1: Can you imagine, like, an Asari child is very sad because they're still a child, but their right. best friend, who their, was a child their human mean, friend, friend got
0: old and died. <laughs> No, but that's that's true. Like, our we've got two dogs. One of them is ten now, and she's starting to get old. She's got like little cysts that grow on her skin. you little skin bumps. We'll have to take her to the vet and get them, you know, taken off. And then, and and this is funny. But do dogs fart more when they get old? Because she's been farting a lot. Yes, they do. They do. Yeah, they, they do. This totally a thing. But like, you could be a, a young Asari and be like, "Oh, my friend Bill, Billy over here is getting old. He's <laughs> farting more." his skin marks i gotta i gotta take him to the doctor uh we've been friends since he was kids
1: a kid he goes by william now (laughs) yeah yeah he's been
0: he doesn't want to play with me anymore he doesn't want to run around outside he just wants to sit in his lounge chair and sleep and watch (laughs) watch golf (laughs) when did you get into golf billy i thought that was last week (laughs) Yeah, right. You didn't used to be in, into golf. That was like 4 years ago. I got into golf 4 years ago. That was only 4 years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe a sorry, or, you know how human beings are like, "Man, what did I eat for lunch yesterday? I can't even remember." Are I sorry, like, "What did I do for 10 years?"
0: Right. Yeah. Oh. I shouldn't have done um, that. Oh. Yeah, everybody does that in their third century.
1: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> what a child. <laughs> but Asari are, are also um, pretty skilled diplomats, probably because of their longevity. You know, they've seen it all. So mm-hmm. that would make anyone, I think, a shrewd diplomat. But their culture, and I'm talking everything from art to architecture to poetry to, you know, music, every part of their culture has dominated the Milky Way. And I want people, if you've ever played Civilization, which is another one of my favorite games, yeah. think of the culture victory. And you're trying to obtain the culture victory in civ
0: so so wait so the the united states is playing like the military victory and you know uh i don't know the solarians are playing the science victory and then (laughs) these they're playing the the culture victory we're all that's that explains it that's why they can't figure out how to do things or get along because they all have different exact cultural victory requirements um man that's funny yeah i love civ
1: and so oh civ is so great but i like the older i get the more I have to distance my, myself from it. Oh yeah. Just because you have to put so much time into every single one game, but I still love it like so much. But
0: One more turn, one more turn. And yeah. then it's three in the morning and you're like, I gotta go to work tomorrow. I have to, I have to put this down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing yep. that occurs to and me about next them week. is, yeah, yeah. next week, the, the other thing that occurs to me about them is that if you were like, you know how like wacky art gets, the more it develops. And in a lifetime, you learn art as a child and then you get really good at it by the time you become an adult. And then you probably make some sort of progress as a young adult and then create some sort of masterpiece. And then you might create another masterpiece later on in your adult life. Maybe change art forms a little bit and, and you know, vary it. But imagine if you had a thousand years to perfect your art from it. It would get super weird like. It would get it would get. So weird. I I would imagine that a race that does this to like a human, like we wouldn't understand their art at all because it would be so far out there because it would be like understanding art is like being part of a conversation right like to understand cubism you have to have understood uh the reemergence of the classical art and to understand that you have to understand the the you know whatever came before that and and over and over again like to truly understand say modern pop music you have to understand what was happening 10 years ago and then you have to understand what happened in the 90s and the 80s and then you know the resurgence of you know rock and roll and like if if you understand the, the background of all of those things you get to see like oh these are all the influences that they pull for this this is how it makes sense artistically not just as a song i put on while I wash my dishes because or drive my car because I like to listen to music, right? A true art connoisseur understands the history of the art form. A history of art that goes back thousands and 30,000 years and a life lasts 1,000 years has got to get super weird, right? That's got yeah, to
1: be super weird. Um, and like, for, I, I love those like references that you pull in because it makes me think of internet culture today. And in internet cu- culture today, is like so different from what it was 5 10 years ago. Yeah. And so yeah. when you think of like meme culture, think of like a meme that you saw the other day and then all of the memes that you would have had to have seen before that for that meme to make sense to you. Right. Because Yes. And and I'm sure that people listening to this might be able to relate, but like just the other day I saw a meme and I was like I don't understand why that should be funny. Right. And right. That's how oh, I knew it's I was a old. reference
0: to Rage Faces. What Rage Faces hasn't been a thing for like ten years. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, but it's funny now again. What? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. And and I don't know if you guys remember deep fried memes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but yeah. So deep fried memes like were so meta. It was meta to the point of like, what the hell is going on? And so that has to have been like. Yeah, the closest I can come to equivocating what a art would be like to humans. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about.
0: It's like a reference on yeah. top of a reference on top of a reference on top of a reference to the point where you just go, "Why is that a picture of a man standing in a corner?" And the Asari is like, "You don't understand. You don't understand this.
1: <laughs> it's elementary."
0: I mean, it, it, the lighting looks nice, but it's just a man's it, like. <laughs> i'm gonna to have to explain thirty thousand years of art to you for you to get this why this is a masterpiece it's like it's just a dude standing in a corner
1: yeah and then also you're having to explain it to a dog basically so, right, so. right 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 it would be so like, it's like why do i even bother
0: right right here here's a bone chew it go you know go in your own corner yeah. chew on your bone yeah
1: Here's, so. here's a world to colonize knock yourself out um but yeah yeah um so how did the asari come to such status and stardom you see what i did there uh yeah. stardom yes how, nice do, how, do, how uh, did this work stardom uh, not planet not planet dumb stardom but they came to this level of sophistication so, if you mentioned, or if you listened last week, we mentioned the Protheans guiding Asari evolution. Well, this is coming full circle, and it's also kind of why I didn't want to touch on it too much last week, because I knew that we were going to get into it now. Alright,
0: uh, well, let's turns get into the deep end. Go.
1: The, Pro- the Protheans deliberately concocted the, this guise of the goddess of fame to uplift the Asari through numerous pieces of knowledge that they wouldn't have otherwise discovered for thousands of years. Like, Agriculture and astronomy, and these are the building blocks for what, hu- well, for what we know to be human civilization. So, if you give these pieces of knowledge to human beings, let's say five thousand years before they otherwise discovered them, it accelerates everything after that exponentially. Hmm. Um, so, what happens with the Asari is they accept these offerings of knowledge from who they perceive to be a god and the protheans facilitate that perception and basically the natural development of asari was propelled forward at light speed no pun intended there uh actual light is actual light speed yeah Yeah. because it's likely due to prothean influence that the asari discovered ftl space travel Mm -hmm. (laughs) um So Protheans went one step further than that because, of course, you know, reaching in and and meddling around to that degree wasn't enough. Uh, So they went one step further and they genetically altered the Asari to become more skilled biotic users even. Um, And so there's a part from the wiki I want to just read right now because it really does a good job of describing just the extent to which the Protheans had manipulated the Asari's development, when the Protheans departed, when they left and they didn't interfere anymore with the Asari directly at all. They left a single beacon on Thessia, around which the Asari later built a lavish temple devoted to the goddess of fame. This beacon contained Vendetta, a Prothean VI, and over the following centuries was the source of countless technological advances that allowed the Asari to eventually become the most powerful species in the galaxy. The beacon's existence became a closely held state secret as its revelation would have discredited the virtually universal belief that the Asari attained such heights on their own merit.
0: Right. So they were given the keys to the kingdom. They were like the favorite children, right? They were like the firstborn who you're like, all right, I'm going to buy you a, a car for your birthday, and I'm going to make sure you get into the best university. And then the other kids come along and you're just like, yeah, whatever. Just continue to do your thing. Yeah
1: hashtag privilege
0: um yeah they were the the privileged (laughs) children
1: and of course they refuse to admit their privilege of course because
0: because yeah uh, uh, privilege what are you talking about (laughs) i don't understand why why isn't why isn't all this easy for you guys
1: (laughs) right yeah exactly and the the human being who has the lifespan equivalent telling them that they're privileged
0: (laughs) right right oh yeah yeah very much so so.
1: yeah 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 um so Basically, you know, this is important because why did the Protheans interfere to this degree? Did the Protheans do this as kind of a hedge against their ultimate fate? Did they see what was coming with the Reapers? And they're like, crap, we got to make backup plans for the continuity of intelligent life in this galaxy. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, because Vendetta, the Prothean VI that it mentions, is exactly how Shepard learns that the Citadel is the catalyst for the Crucible. That's the same V.I.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems seems like they... I mean, it seems like they were... I mean, it it seems like a backup plan. You know, uh, like you don't want to raise... You don't want to raise some other species to the point where they can dethrone you, right? Where they take the things that you have given them and use them against you. Any intelligent race is going to make sure that that doesn't happen. But at the same time, you if you actually genuinely do care about these other creatures that you've been, and, and also, why would you be, why would you be helping them? Why would you be visiting them and help cultivating them if you didn't care about them in some way, just, you know, just like us and, you know, creatures on earth, you know, like, Oh no, this species is, is becoming endangered and then we, we take care of it and we help bring them back because, We don't want them to become endangered because they're part of nature and we love nature and nature is a good thing, right? They might have that same kind of view of these other races and biomes across the galaxy. So if that's the case and they could foresee their own demise, then they would need at least one of them to be able to rise up earlier than the others in order to help everybody else out or at least get a head start.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I failed to mention it, but the Protheans also saved the Asari world from asteroids and a ancient spacefaring civilization who basically just wanted to kill them all, and take over. So the Protheans stepped in and directly saved them from those things. Um, and yeah, um, someone mentioned in chat here. Uh, Let's see, who was it? Yeah, No Mercy says in chat that the Protheans saw potential in the Asari, according to Javik. And they did. Uh, However, I'd like to revisit a detail that we said last week with the Protheans. And that is that the Protheans were okay with mating with the Asari. Uh, So now we start to look at some of the Asari abilities, like the mind meld and the biotic capabilities. And I start to think is this a relic from prothean capabilities
0: yeah it seems it seems like it might be something that was passed into them or you know through that um the uh dirty old man interpretation of this was that the protheans wanted some hotties to do their bidding and to hook up with and so they invented them and made them a thing uh, I'm sure there's some internet lore out there about that too I I haven't looked it up but if this is a potential idea that occurs to me, having heard this uh, creation fan f- and knowing how some people are, that this could very well be a thing too, right? Like, like it, maybe it the could, Protheans were the do- dirty old men of the universe.
1: That's totally possible. Could and of think? course, it is always the people in power positions that become like that. But, and but the Protheans were certainly in power position,
0: right? But maybe, maybe, maybe it's wrong to uh, maybe that's too broad of a brush maybe some of the protheans were like that and so some of the protheans did this and some of the protheans took care of the humans and some of the protheans were more concerned with other things you know like to say that they as a complete culture did this universally was probably too broad a statement
1: it, yeah it, i mean it probably is but ultimately i think it's just it continues along the same theme that we were talking about last week, which is standing on the shoulders of giants. And so the Asari stand on the shoulders of the Protheans, very much so. And the Protheans stood on the shoulders of the Inu Sanin. And the cycle of standing on each other's shoulders like that is probably how organic life gets to the point at the end of Mass Effect 3 where you can defeat the Reapers. Right. That's how it got there.
0: Right, right. And, and maybe, and to, you know, and... I half joke about the dirty old man perspective on that. Um, you know, maybe that was the thing. Probably not, but it it's, it does seem much more likely that an overly intelligent species like this sees the pattern, and they go. Ultimately, if we're ever going to win, we have to pass things down to the people who will be here after us, so that they can be equipped to actually figure out the the solution. Um, so let's give them a head start and. I I would imagine they can't give everybody the same head start, so somebody has to have more of a head start. That just kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah,
1: and I I'm kind of like interested as to how many innovations did this Prothean VI give the Asari, and it being a state held secret. Uh, how sensitive was that secret? I'd love to see like side stories or fan fiction written about the Asari government had this journalist killed. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Almost leaking the secret that would be the downfall of all faith in every public institution. And because it would, if that secret were to leak, Every public institution will lose all of its faith across the largest economy in the galaxy. Right? Imagine the type of recession that would happen from that.
0: Right. Or there's pro or like the government. The prothean government is keeping it from the people, but there are the people who think it's a conspiracy that this actually did happen. And most people are like, "No, that's not. That's ridiculous. That didn't happen." But they're <laughs> the ones that are right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they they, uh, they have their own version of ancient astronaut theorists.
0: Right. And- right. Or the X-Files show, you know, like it's the Prothean yeah. version of the X-Files where they're like, no, really, there was this alien race and it, it gave us all the information that started our culture. And <laughs> no, you're just that's ridiculous. Yeah. And they're like, we're yeah. going to find the truth. The truth is out there. yeah
1: Yeah, that's i mean that's pretty much that's it for the asari i mean they have a very very complicated intricate culture i encourage anyone who's curious um, to learn more about the asari to play the games and if that still doesn't uh i think quench your thirst for knowledge go online but go to the wiki uh as i've mentioned and warned earlier before in the episode there is some questionable content on the internet big surprise there Uh, (laughs) yeah right but centered around the asari uh the most so yeah yeah, if you're curious about you know religion asari religions super cool in itself um their religion is called siari and it's pantheistic uh i think and basically now knowing what you know after having listened to this episode you realize what they're actually Protheans, but that's not what common belief is for the Asari.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, this is very cool. Uh, a lot of stuff I, I wasn't aware of um, in this one. I, I especially am interested in which of our listeners is going to write about the uh, the X-Files Asari uh, version with, uh, I don't know, uh, Skuller and Maldi. Maybe that's their names. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But, but thanks thanks for moldy. filling us in on, on, on this stuff on this episode scholar and moldy oh man oh guys thank you for tuning it's in Han-R. it's
1: a hand investigator
0: <laughs> no 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 Mulder and scully are the real x-files those are the human ones the asari ones are going to be called scholar and moldy that's that's the joke sorry no mercy <laughs> that, that wasn't a mistake that was on purpose um well, anyway, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Thank you, uh, chat, for being here. It's always fun to see your comments. And thank you, everybody, for listening again. Um, we really appreciate you being here and, and listening to the show. And. Um, Sam, thank you for taking the time to to work on this, even though you've kind of been in the midst of things. Um, we will not be here next week because you will be traveling. You're going to be actually doing a lot of your moving. You're able to set up kind of this temporary thing for this week. But next week, we're going to take a week off. But we will be back the week after that with some of our impressions of the Legendary Edition, because we'll have time to start that out. In, oh, man, in two weeks it's coming up
1: so soon.
0: Yeah, so twelve soon. days. Um, yeah. And wow. one
1: week, I will be on my way to the West Coast, stopping in Yellowstone. So, and you know, it's no problem for me to do what I can and put the uh, you know show notes together and try to keep the show going. You know, when I can because I love doing this. And as I mentioned, you know, I was happy to see that the show is in the top 100 shows. Um, but I love doing it. So even if it were in the bottom 100 i'd still be doing
0: this <laughs> we have three listeners congratulations <laughs> three people are listening to your show yes three people yes uh but, i mean that's not him. a joke but that's how a lot of podcasts start a lot of times you start with three people and you just got to go from there uh which is why plug 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 i work with a bunch of shows on the uh robots radio rocket club group and i help them get their show started um we have a show that just released their fourth episode and hit 2000 downloads. That's like 500 listeners per episode, which is awesome. Um so go check out the Robots Radio Discord for all the different shows. There's a whole bunch of stuff for you guys to listen to and they are killing it. They're doing an awesome job as well. And if you want help launching your own podcast or improving your podcast, feel free to check out robotsradio.net where I uh where all our info is and you can check out the Rocket Dash Club page and you know, see if maybe you want to join us on the Rocket Club and I can work with you every week in order to help you do your own podcast and and market it to an audience and do all the things that I, I do with my own shows. And I can I can teach you how to do it. Um, so go check that stuff out. And let's see, anything else? Anything else you want to say, Sam, before we get going?
1: Well, normally I'd plug about streams, but, you know, as I mentioned, I'll be driving. So I don't think I'll be streaming until at least uh, May 14th. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He'll be set back up. Um, but maybe, maybe for our next episode, because it will be post legendary edition at launch, we should do like a call in episode and have people join us and talk about their impressions of the game. That would fun. that would be, That'd
1: be awesome. But, I'd love that. Yeah. I mean, Cause we'll have a little a bit of time to dig you. in
0: and yeah. And chat's always here and you guys can join us on the discord and, and pop in and, and share your thoughts. Um, whether it's about the legendary edition or playing the game before we can kind of just do a fun call in episode with you guys. That'd be a lot of fun. So yeah, let's, let's do that. That'll be the plan for right now. I just made it up and we're going to go with it. So wonderful. Um, <laughs> but I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be uh, streaming during the day doing the uh, Robots Radio show. And so the Robots Radio show is going to continue to evolve right now. The first 15 minutes of it, I'm going over news for the day. And then there's going to be all sorts of other wacky stuff that happens, whether it's talking with other show hosts or other fun little things or playing games or whatever. Um, and I might move it from noon to like maybe two ish in the afternoon. We'll see. I'm trying to figure out how to fit everything. It's going to evolve but it's going to be awesome. So come back and join me on the stream, twitch.tv slash robots radio for that and for future episodes of this show and check out N7 Legends Twitch stream. What is your your account again?
1: Right now, it's still at Kung Fu underscore kangaroo. I think I got three more weeks until Twitch will let me change that to N7 Legend. Uh, yeah. But if you want to connect with me on Twitter, it's at N7 The Legend. And uh, you can find me in the Discord channel as well.
0: Yep. Yep. You can find me on discord or on Twitter at robots underscore radio. And of course there's at cyberpunk or cyberpunk. That's the show I just did at mass effect cast on Twitter as well. And we'll see you guys next time. Have a wonderful, safe travels, Sam and chat. Thank you for being here. We'll see you guys later. Have a good one.